0: The talk you are about to hear is by Roshi Amala Ripson, teacher at the Auckland Zen Centre. Today is the fourth day of our spring seven-day sishin and it's the 5th of September, 2023. We're going to continue reading from Throw Yourself into the House of Buddha, the life and Zen teachings of Harada Roshi. The first section we're going to be reading from is called The Illusion of Separate Self. And it follows on from the one that we were looking at last time, where um Tangan Roshi recounted the the uh, exclamation of the Buddhisha community as great as great alignment, as it is set forth in the Avatamska Sutra. Wonder of wonders, wonderful. All beings are without exception endowed with the wisdom and virtue of the Tathagata. But then at the very end of that section, we got the, the other part of what the Buddha said. Uh, but because people's minds have been turned upside down by delusive thinking, they fail to perceive their own Buddha nature, their own inherent Buddha nature. Tangan says how uh, wonderful it is that um, he that the Buddha said this as well because this is this is where we start where we come from that we we can't perceive our own inherent Buddha nature, and we're given the teachings which allow us to find our way back to that Buddha nature he um, uses the word i um, I substituted upside down, but he uses the word in there, inverted. Their minds have become inverted through delusive thinking. What does this word inverted mean? Well, not, one way I think of it is upside down. Um, it's it's our mistaken idea of the nature of the self. and. Um, inverted is a good word because it's kind of back to front, or inside out, or around the wrong way. It's we have a a true, but, uh, but inverted way of seeing things. We think we're at the center of the universe, and of course that's true. But what we don't see is that so is everybody else. N- Nicholas of Cusa said something about God. I think it's. He said that God is a circle whose center is everywhere and whose circumference is nowhere. And that applies to each of us. Our Buddha nature is a circle whose center is everywhere and whose circumference is nowhere. So now taking this up. This, this theme of how does this illusion of the separate self come into being? How does it happen? How do we fail to see our essential nature? When we were babies, we had no sense of opposition. For a baby, everything is me. There is no division, no duality. When it is hungry, it eats. When it is sleepy, it sleeps. Is the baby awakened? Of course the baby is not lost in a dream of separation, but its state is not complete. A baby is totally self-absorbed. It must steadily grow. Yet with growth, the child learns to live by the discriminating mind and develops a sense of I. With growth comes the growth of the intellect and ego grasping. The sense of self and separation increases as we learn language. Everything that is not me is other. And This is the, the crux of this inverted thinking. Everything that is not me is other opposition, duality. We come to perceive everything to be outside ourselves. I want what is over there, I want this, I want that. So we're grasping at things that appear to us to be uh, on the outside. The child becomes smarter and smarter. A sharp mind an exacting intellect mean a lot in this world. Being smart you can get ahead materially, you can make a name for yourself, you can rise to a high position. Is that bad? It's not a question of good and bad. Some use their intellectual growth for good and some don't. That depends on the aspiration and intention of the individual but everyone falls into the trap of dividing reality into pieces. There is an old saying, as a child learns to live by its mind, it moves further and further away from Buddha. We simply learn to treat this little I idea as the host, as the center of the universe. We can't help but to favor and indulge this self that we imagine to exist. Uh, this is a, this notion of, of um, host and and guest is um, an old one in, in Zen. So this the host is the one who who um, doesn't come and go. The one who is intrinsic. continues almost everyone as they reach adulthood carries inside them a sense of lack something is missing something is not quite right we can we can feel this about reality or we can we can project it onto ourselves and and have this delusion that we are basically flawed. We have a, a what one psychologist calls a core deficit, and our belief in this core de- deficit shapes how we we react to things in our lives. It's like our an inner narrative that that colours our experience. At first, we try to satisfy our myriad desires to get rid of this sense of lack. If only I could have things my way, I would have no further complaints. I know exactly what I need. That's one kind of statement. We could also, there are people who might feel just confused and not know what they need. But the suffering is the same. But if you get one, you desire two. If you get two, you desire three. Four, it's never enough. We cannot ultimately be satisfied by getting what we want, and yet some people spend all their lives thinking that gratifying desires is what being a human is about. When we chant the, the four vows, we say, Endless blind passions I vow to uproot. Our passions are endless. Endless. We can pour what what we think we want into that into that pit and, and it will eat it up. It's bottomless. Then once we have been able to polish our special talents and strengths, been able to study and to learn had jobs that we were given that we have given our all to, we may make, make our way in the world. We have looked at things from all angles, seeking to understand what it is all about. We have seen how painful it can be to, to make our way in life. We have experienced the difficulty of human relationships. It should be easier, but somehow it just isn't. Those people who humour us, those whom we perceive to be of benefit for us, we like and favour and become attached to them. On the other hand, there are those people who do not particularly recognise us, who overlook us or ignore us, who do not treat us as we would like to be treated and they and, or that are just not the way we want them to be. These people we regard to some degree or another as enemies. Or we might say, or we judge them as being difficult people. We regard them as those who are against us. We don't like them. They irritate us and get on our nerves. And then there is the the um, not uncommon phenomenon of of. Uh, having acquaintances, friends, co-workers who fall in the first category, um, those we, we are attached to and favour, and then something happens, they do something that we dislike, and they then are relegated to the second category, and our, our dislike of them is often more vehement when, they, when there has been a change, as we see in so many acrimonious divorces. They don't have to be acrimonious if we can see, see to some degree or other our preferences, how what role our own um, likes and dislikes play in the process. He continues, then we try ways, various ways of self-improvement, self-help, help yourself to grow. Take good care of yourself and you will be a happier person. This is the message. There are all sorts of examples of this way of thinking and there is nothing really wrong with it. But of course, the object of self-improvement is the imagined limited self and we are still grasping it for all it's worth. And as we find out to our chagrin, this happens even after we've taken up dharma practice we bring all our longings for self-improvement to the practice and it can be helpful here to just understand how how the ego factors into this the ego is the great appropriator it will take anything and and turn it to its own devices Little, a little, um, experience of, of, um, of a quiet mind and suddenly we're, the ego is all excited and wants to get back to that, that experience. Or is, um, crowing with a sense of achievement at having had this experience. And then, of course, Disappointment is is built in because these things don't last. Zen is not about self-improvement. It's about seeing through the self, forgetting the self. people who come thinking that that's what they're going to get are, sooner or later they're going to either change, transform their motivation or they're going to to give the process up. There's so much more is demanded of us than, than getting better and better every day in every way. We have tried to be kind and caring. Our intention is to be of service to others. Even so, we are still working from the standpoint of ego. As long as we are attached to a separate self, we cannot live in clarity and dissatisfaction remains. I was talking to somebody the other day, I can't remember where it was, but got onto the subject of, of uh, uh, not-for-profit, working in not-for-profits, and how um, they maybe have um, noble aims, humanitarian uh, purposes, and yet egos can be so rife and so damaging in within such organisations. Was not always the case, but as long as as long as we come to our work with um, attached to a separate self, then troubles will come. As long as we are attached to a separate self, we cannot live in clarity, and dissatisfaction remains. I think this is this is what distinguishes uh, genuine spiritual practice is, is uh, addressing the self and, and cultivating clarity seeing clearly. If we didn't have this human body and mind we wouldn't be able to reflect on ourselves in this way. In a sense, it is more comfortable to be a cat or some other animal without self-awareness that can live more or less happily, idle. My father-in-law used to sometimes say, I think only half-jokingly, jokingly, that he was going to be reborn as a cat in his next life. I wonder how... Um, reliable that is as a path to happiness when you think of how many feral cats there are around the world, I don't know how many what percentage it would be, but their lives are, are hard lives sickness scrambling for food maybe that cat though in those moments when it sits in a patch of sunlight it has no cares in the world The, su- the source of all this anguish is the sense of separation. We have this illusion of a separate self, and we make this take this shadow for the real thing. Thus, we cannot possibly help but imagine separation. We con- cannot help but rec- create barriers. Our seeing is limited, and limits are what we see. So, so beautiful summing, summing up of our extent existential um, conundrum. Our seeing is limited and limits are what we see. This could be a good one to remember for next time we're stuck in bemoaning our limits, our stuckness in practice. Where does that Where do those limits that we see come from? Well, they come from our seeing in a limited way. But we don't have to stay in that place of ignorance. We we have the Dharma which provides us with all kinds of uh, methods to help us to uh, break down that solo image, solid image we have of our, our self. While every human being is in fact reality itself, almost all of us live in such a way that we cast aside this precious life. Most people don't understand that they are turning their backs on life, and so they are blown this way and that by the winds of circumstance lost in discrimination, judgment and confusion, one becomes resigned to this fate. How sad that almost everyone meets their death in this way. In the years when when I was doing some hospice volunteering through Amitabha, um, it wasn't a very extensive uh, experience, but of the people who I um, accompanied their last, um, on their way to death, I think more often, more often than not, death was, was a struggle. we what will we look back what will our regrets be on our deathbed? what will we jo- re- rejoice in our seeing is limited and limits are what we see the the eightfold path the, uh, the first of the eight aspects of that path, is right view. And right at the beginning of the right right view is realizing that our seeing is limited, that it's partial, that we don't see the whole picture. And just recognizing that, already a little chink of light is coming in. Things are not necessarily how I see them, they're not as they appear to me, and especially they're, they're partial, not the whole picture. section is is headed up the Buddha way even while living lost in ignorance there remains hidden in the belly of life itself in your belly the one who cannot help but seek to know true nature don't forget this one who never lets you forget this true one is always close by urging you on calling upon you to open your eyes This one prompts you towards a way of being that is genuine, urging you to walk the Buddha way. The genuine seeks to awaken to the genuine. The genuine seeks to awaken to the genuine. Another way of putting it, Mu questions Mu. There are people who say that it is greedy or wrong to desire the realisation of our inherent nature. They say that Chakyamuni Buddha was awakened for us and that is enough or that our state of mind is not important as long as we physically sit Zazen, so there is no need for realisation. Those beliefs make the Buddha's teaching small and insignificant. The passionate desire to know true nature is inherent in all human beings. It is life's very working. This, this seeking, this wanting to know ourselves, wanting to plumb reality. they they're evidence of the functioning of our Buddha nature. Right there, there it is, in the seeking. So if you desire to awaken, please never think that it is wrong. I will without fail awaken to true nature. With this mindset, we walk the Buddha path. The belief that you cannot attain awakening is a refusal to fulfill the reason for being alive, to repay your gratitude. If you do not practice, you will not awaken to reality, to your very own reality. No one can do it for you. No one can see into truth for you. It is your world, solely your world. Do you want to continue to live in delusion? If we spend this lifetime only seeking pleasure, singing and dancing, drinking and making merry, when the end comes, we will know that we didn't resolve this one important matter. It is necessary to clearly resolve and determine to wake up to original life, your true nature. This this desire to wake up is different from grasping at something. To to approach every sitting we do with this aspiration and not knowing how it's going to turn out um, and just picking up that aspiration of the next sitting and the next one. Uh, the, gr- the grasping is usually characterized more by um, acute disappointment if, if our um, desires are not met when and where and how we want them to be. The, our resolve to awaken us something different something that, yeah. that transcends time and space and expectations. It is necessary to clearly resolve and determine to wake up to original life, your true nature. In our temple, each morning we chant the lineage of Buddhas and great teachers who guide us in our practice. Thanks to their great vow, to the great noble intention of each and every one of them, and thanks to their diligent practice, each one was able to hit the mark to attain the way. Each of them received the teaching and directly experienced the same truth, just as water is poured directly from one cup into another. There's a lot to reminding ourselves of this this great lineage of which we are the beneficiaries, um, the ancestral line and... and we we have two chants that do this. We have our traditional ancestral line, which which goes back to Master Dogen, and then through the Chinese masters to Shakyamuni Buddha is is the one that we received from our mother temple, and then we also have the um, pool of radiance chant, which which celebrates the many teachers we have who are not in our lineage, as well as ones from our lineage, the key ones from our lineage where we, we have the names of many of the women masters and teachers from different places um, as in a way as, of connecting to those and other important teachers to us that aren't strictly speaking in, in our lineage. But both of these chants uh, bring forth in different ways uh, our spiritual whakapapa and if we attend to them when we chant them, they they deepen our sense of life. Life is not just our little individual 85 to 95 years in in this place, but all those people who have come before us and from whom we have received this teaching and all those who come after us as as a living reality this is this is what we are part of and there's the context of our practicing together. Everyone is able to do the same no one is left out. Freedom is our essence If the Dharma weren't universal, what would be the value in it? If the Dharma were only for the chosen few, where would be the value in pursuing it? If the Dharma could be entained and lost, I would not be here urging you to deepen your faith beyond all doubt and let go of body and mind. I would not be here begging you to give it your all. The Dharma is absolute perfect, all-pervading, all-inclusive, all-embracing. Liberation is yours from the beginning. We are all together in essence free. All being abides in the radiance of Buddha nature. All being. This is a, a, a term coined here by the translators. All being. That's our true being, is all being, the being that leaves nothing out. All being is the radiant light of the Buddha. Together with all beings, sentient or insentient, with grasses and trees, together with the great earth, I attain the Buddha way. This is um, a cry that was uttered by Shakyamuni Buddha with his great awakening, coming from a different source from the Avatamskas Sutra one. Together with all beings, sentient or insentient, with grasses and trees, together with the great earth, I attain the Buddha way. With his great awakening, Shakyamuni, the world-honoured one, attain perfect liberation. He came to life, to true life, to liberation, which is our birthright, our essence. It's our it's our family inheritance. And there's a saying in Zen the the family inheritance does not come in through the main gate. It doesn't come from somewhere. It's it's here. Right now, here in this sendo. wherever we go yet how easily we doubt how quickly we forget I don't know what if I have what it takes to awakening maybe I'm not ready maybe I can't do it these doubts are utterly unfounded This one truth is just as true for you as it is for all the Buddhas. In the Buddha way, in reality, there are no exceptions. Each of you now receiving these words is blessed with this sacred reality. It might sound even too good to be true to you. How can it be that I'm so blessed when I don't even feel good about myself? I could repeat it for you a million more times and it would still not even begin to express the absolute perfection with which we are blessed. We can't take somebody's word for it. Not the sutras, not the buddhas and bodhisattvas, not Tangan Roshi. Until we, until we experience it directly it's not real for us. Because of upside-down false perceptions we fail to see this inherent Buddha nature. We are just looking off at the play of our discriminating mind and that is taken to be the host. For once realize the true host Become one with who you really are, and all is well. What a shame for you not to awaken to this wonder, not to prostrate yourself before it, before everything in the universe, not to come to appreciate, to celebrate real life. We sell ourselves short, we settle for less, and yet to be a human being is to seek. We start with what we've got to do, right here, right now. The aim is to come to awakening to know yourself to see what life is really about and this one way path is the universal way which includes all beings it is not only for our own small liberation it is for the liberation of all beings we start out with this as our aim we we aspire to free ourselves so as to be able to help free others of course like us those others have to do it for themselves but we can contribute to the conditions for that doing we can we can pass on what we know to be true and good and and effective we we are hands and eyes and ears in a great chain of of teaching going going back to the buddha and beyond and hopefully we pass it on in good shape to others who come after us and to our family members and our friends not some doctrinal thing that's not what we're talking about here not not proselytizing but but living the truth. Living the truth of Buddha nature and acting with kindness. Being helpful. And true helpfulness comes out of clear, clear seeing. We'll stop here and recite the four vows. The teaching you have received is offered freely if you would like to make a donation to support the continuation of this podcast service or learn more about practice opportunities at the Auckland Zen Centre, please visit www.aucklandzen.org.nz.